Welcome to the Geek Geek Podcast, where today we're flying, I promise. I know we were going to do it last week, but this week is the real week. Uh, I'm Void. I'm here with my co-host, Beige. Ah, ah, I'm a bird. Wow. Yes, you're not a bird. You're a human. I know this. Today we're talking about uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator and also a couple other Game Pass games that have been recent. Um, and I think we can dive right in. So Microsoft Flight Simulator, I I saw this and I had to know, like, what what was the deal, right? And... The thing that drew me in were all of these features about it, which I'll get into, but it was like all of these in-depth, you know, they're trying like real-time weather, real-time time of day, real-time flight data. They're using this like iterative code base all the way back to the beginning of the series. And I was just like enamored with the idea of this game. And I told you all this and I was hyped. And then you looked at the trailer and you remember what you said to me? (laughs) I was like... I don't remember the exact context of how I'm I phrased it. I'm calling you out. Do you remember was, what you said to me? I was like, how How did they get the birds? I was like, how do they know where the birds are? Before I realized that they don't know where those birds are. They, they actually do make up some things for this game. Like, your response is, oh, this iterative code base is really fascinating. Let's see how the technology works. And I'm like, birds. It's like, I just, oh, look at those birds. They don't. Was, uh, they don't know they where don't. the birds are. No, they don't. But if, but think about it. If they did know where birds were in real time, would that not be a fantastic feature to put in the game? It would be. Like, it would be. Look very at this impressive. flock of birds. Yes, it would be a very impressive feature. I agree. It's just that's not what was happening there, BJ. And I. It's not. I just. I, don't I think know I, why that was. I primed you to expect everything to be real time and like everything to be very real to life, and then you saw the birds and you just latched onto it in the wrong way. I really did because I'm watching this trailer and I'm I'm really impressed. I'm like, this game looks really, really good. And when I see the, <laughs> I think it was, I know they were pink. I, I don't know if they were flamingos or something else. But when I see these, this like flock of birds just kind of bank to the left away from the, away from the plane, I'm like, how did they know the birds did that? And I'm like, it's because they're not real birds, BJ. <laughs> like it took me yep. far, like the, even though it only took me like two or three seconds, seconds to realize it still far too long for me to realize that those weren't real birds <laughs> oh that's, that's okay so i glossed over a ton of things so i'm gonna go back and unpack a right. little bit of this um one of the things that i thought was just crazy impressive is that this code base that they're using is like it's a direct descendant of the first flight simulator game like it sounded and i'm not a hundred percent sure on this but in the reading i did in some of the articles i saw around this game it seems like that very first flight simulator that they made in like 1982 or something like that, that code has just been built on and expanded and improved every flight simulator since then. So every release is built on the one before it. So even though we're playing this flight sim in 2020, it's built on the code base from the like the original game. And I'm sure it's completely unrecognizable by now, right? But one of the things the developers said was that they really they sat down and they thought really hard about the code for this game before they started and they ended up making the decision to take the code from the latest game which i think came out in like 2013 something like that something Um, like that and that was what they were going to start with instead of starting with a completely blank slate which they almost did and they said that it was one of the best decisions they made because on day one they had a working flight simulator and all they got to do the entire time was make it better and expand the features and Uh, that's how they ended up with the game that they did and so some of those features again are the fact that you can go anywhere in the world 
and they have the entire world modeled. This is like the key feature of the game is that they're using all of the Bing's map data that they've built up over the last years at Microsoft, you know, as they're trying to compete with Apple Maps and Google Maps. So this Bing map data, um, it is being pulled into Flight Simulator and everything is modeled. Like everything just dynamically gets modeled across the whole world. And there are certain cities and certain regions and certain like landmarks that they've handcrafted. They've gone in there and they've made sure that like this is accurate, this is correct, you know. Um, But anywhere that isn't one of those, again, very few places is just like dynamically procedurally generated in real time with Bing map data. And so one of the things that they talked about was that you don't have complete real-time map data, but they are going to update the map data every few weeks or like every month at the most. Oh, wow. Just because like, you know, just like Google Maps, just like Apple Maps, Bing Maps is always improving. It's always getting new data. It's always getting updated satellite imagery. It's always getting X, Y, Z. Why not just keep pulling in the newest data into Flight Sim? So that's one of those things that they're going to have on an ongoing basis. And I'm assuming that that's just part of the game. It's not something you have to pay for updates or anything like that. No. It's just you buy the game. That's just that's what happens with it. Yeah, exactly. And so this game is constantly reaching out to the server in real time as it's like loading and grabbing data about what's ahead of you as you're flying or what's under you. You know, like it loads it before you get there. But you can tell that the game is actively like interacting with the server and pulling data. Um, so that's that's interesting, right? And not only is it like, the map data is not 100% real time, but you know, close to it, and it's updated. But the weather is actual real time weather, and the time of day you can set it to real time time of day for where you are, and the flight data you can set that to real time flight data for actual flights in the air. And that hmm. part just like blew my mind. The fact that they were doing all of that is just incredible to me, and that is like the core piece that has blown me away, right? And I'll talk about the gameplay here in a second, but like. That piece of technology is why I wanted to talk about this game because it's just so ambitious as a feature set that there's no way this isn't impressive to me as like a developer, right? Because I've done development in tons of different contexts and this is just ambitious and I had to see what it was like. Yeah, when you were telling me about this, that it was coming out and that you wanted to do a flight simulator episode, I'm like, okay, whatever, new flight simulator, that's that's not something I care about, because the last one I played was 97, uh, when it came out, I guess it was Flight Simulator 98, but it came out in 1997, and that was the last one I'd played, and I did not like it. Like, it was impressive at the time, but they're not my kind of games, like, I've never liked real sims, and then you started telling me about all this stuff with the real-time weather data and time of day data and birds and flight data and time data and it was just like or map data and it was just like they can do all that and i wanted to know about it so you sent me this video uh that i would that y'all all listening need to go find this it is the history of microsoft flight simulator and it's like a four minute video that actually has footage from the first one all the way to this one which is the one we were talking about earlier and it is just fascinating to me how they have taken that code base and made it into this like I have no desire to play this, but I am so happy when I see people talking about it on Twitter or talking to you about it because just the the technology involved in it makes me excited to to know that it actually works, you know? Yeah. Well, and when it's at its best, this game it 
it just succeeds so much, right? There was a night where my brother and I were flying around in Cessnas over, you know, the Twin Cities where we live, and we found my house, we flew to it, we flew to his house, we flew to my parents' <laughs> house, um, and we're flying in this plane that my dad used to fly when he was a pilot. Oh, And cool. it's like moments like that were just like amazing right like that's the game at its best it's like it's loading these places where i don't live close enough to downtown to have my house modeled but like my house was there like i saw it i flew over it and i was like yeah that's my house right there and same thing with my brothers same thing with my parents right like we're out in the suburbs but because of the way they're pulling in the data it looks like the areas you expect it to you know um there was a night where I I went out on my own and I was like, okay, can I find my house by sight instead of by like approximate waypoint, <laughs> which is what I did the first time. And I just found like roads because I know the roads of the Twin Cities, yeah. right? And I used those to just visually figure out where I was and like fly my way out to my house and I found it again. And then I was like, well, I bet I could take the roads near me downtown because I know all the roads, right? So I went from my suburb to downtown Minneapolis by plane. So it was super fast, right? <laughs> but I flew, and this is the other cool thing, right? Because it's, it's real time and it's just grabbing the data that it sees. I flew probably about 50 feet above the ground at full speed in like a Cessna 172. And there's no way you could do that. That's not no. anywhere close no. to legal or safe, right? But I flew that all the way from my house to downtown and then i flew around downtown for a while and it's like wow this is my skyline too right this is the skyline that i've grown up with every time i go into the city and it's like i know that skyline and it's like oh hey there's a building that i used to work in when i worked downtown let me see if i can bank my plane around it without crashing into <laughs> it by accident and that's the kind of moments that i've been having with this game that are just utterly amazing when it works well so when you say that your house isn't modeled, but that it's there, does that mean that like it's just a placeholder house in that location? Or was it like one of the like Google Street View kind of like odd, weird uh, shaped like houses, no. like renditions so of yours? It, it's really good about telling what things are buildings and what things aren't buildings. Um, but if it doesn't know, it kind of puts a generic building into the correct shape. So if you mm. look at it, it's like it's not the exact, you know, windows and color of your house and roof color. And like it's not perfect, but it is a house and it's in the right shape and it's in the right place. And there's no way that that's not your house as you're looking right. at it. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's yeah. neat. Like I was curious about that on how how detailed those satellite images would be for that kind of thing. Because well, it would just like you said, it's neat just to be able to go and find your way through the neighborhood. And it's pretty good too about kind of getting the general idea of what the building is, because like houses look like houses, but businesses look like businesses and office parks look like office parks. Even if it's not exactly what it is in real life, you can still at a glance tell, like, oh yeah, that's an office park. You know, even if the windows aren't in the same place, the doors aren't in the same place. But like it just kind of works because it's pulling from whatever dynamic modeling that it's doing. So because of this and, and this is going to be real dark, but because of this, like being able to do it in real place and you get real time flight data, all of that. What happens if you crash into something in real time like that? Like, have you tried to like land a plane? Like, like I say land, I mean, crash a plane into like your brother's house or into another airplane in the air or anything like that. One that's actually going at that moment and yeah. like you're flying and, and like you crash it in the game and you get this really weird feeling because there are real people in that plane in real life. 
life that don't know you just did that to their plane? Yeah, okay. So this leads me very well into the second half of this conversation is how it actually operates as like a game, right? Okay. Because I felt like like I wanted to express my excitement and all of the things that I've been impressed about with this game because I feel like Flight Simulator just comes off as a bleh, like I don't know if I want to listen to that, which is why I front-loaded this conversation. Hopefully I have right. some of you interested now. Now I'm going to backtrack on some of this, not because any of what I said was untrue, but just because at its core, this is a sim. Like this is a simulator game. It is not like a game game. It's not just a flying game, right? Like you are actually choosing what level of sim you're doing there's like easy there's medium and there's full sim but then literally you can go into a menu and you can customize every level of everything in it to be like how assisted do i want this and how manual do i want it so i've been playing it on medium if you go down to easy it becomes just easier to do everything there's a lot less like damage and a lot less considerations if you go up to full (laughs) sim then literally every button in the cockpit works the way it would in a real plane. And if you can fly the plane in full sim mode, you basically know how to fly a real airplane. Right. That's what the game does, right? And it's so impressive because even on medium, you basically know how to fly an airplane. You know all of the basics, right? I'm not hitting every switch and every button like I would be in full sim mode. And I'm not doing like the pre-flight checklist. But outside of that... Uh, it's like literally every consideration you have to have when you're flying a plane right like everything about navigation like doing a flight plan and doing um you know figuring out like when are you using your flaps when are you using your rudder what what are what's the stress on the wings like what's the max airspeed that you can do because if you go above that you crash right what's the max engine stress you can do because if you go above that your engine breaks and it's like (laughs) it's all of these things in it that it's not approachable like it's not a very approachable game it takes a little bit of work to get your head around like what it takes to actually fly a plane in the game um and get it up off the air or get it up off the ground into the air but once you do you feel like the sense of accomplishment because you're actually doing it and you're thinking about all of these things similar to like how a driving simulator works right like it's not just hit a button and go it's like what are all of the components that make a car go forward same thing but for planes yeah it's why i can't play like real racing simulator games because like i am i'm an arcade driver and i drive an automatic in real life and don't know how to drive a stick so that whenever i get into a game like that with a manual transmission in a car i just like destroy the car immediately like i don't have fun doing that kind of thing cuz i don't know how so being able to move it up and down in the sim with different sim levels would be really really helpful to people like me yeah and the other thing is that like it works with a controller like i'm playing it but this game is just begging for like a flight stick and an actual throttle as like oh, yeah. controllers, right? Like I can see how for the right type of person, this becomes your whole hobby. Like you are a flight sim player and that's what you do. And I'm never going to be that player, but I can, I can see it, right? Like I can glimpse the edges of it, which is interesting to me. And it all comes back to the fact that like it is a full sim. Um, there are downsides to that too. The loading times in this game are rough. Like I haven't seen loading times like this in a game in I don't even know how long, like a decade, maybe longer than oh, that. Oh, wow. Like, it, maybe it's been 15 or 20 years since I've seen loading times this long in any game that I've played at all. Um, it's brutal. Like, start the game loading and go walk away, and, like, you could eat a whole meal and come back, and it might be loaded, maybe. Holy maybe. cow. Like, yeah, it's it's really slow. And 
some of this is, you know, what computer are you on? Like, what's your setup? Um, you know, I've definitely seen different loading times for different areas. Like if it's a heavily populated area where it has to pull in a lot more data, it takes longer. Whereas if you're loading somewhere that just doesn't have as much like map data around it, it loads a lot faster. Um, but it still takes a long time. Like I had to have my phone next to me as I was playing this game because I needed something else to do during the loading. And there's a lot of UI and UX improvements they just need to make because like you'll be <laughs> the the like title screen, which is kind of like the attract screen, right? And it just says, press any button. You press <laughs> any button and then it takes like five to 10 minutes to load the main menu. What? Like it's not loading the main menu behind it like i don't understand like why have you loaded the loading screen but not actually loaded the game behind it you know uh, um it's that stuff hurts like that. me just hearing about yeah and you know so there are there are downsides to this game too it's not fantastic it's like the moment to moment isn't necessarily amazing but when you have those moments that are great they just leave such a good impression right and that's why i wanted to start with that because i was so impressed with this game and like i said if you're the right kind of player this could be your entire like gaming thing like this is what you do you play microsoft flight simulator you're a microsoft flight simulator player and you learn how to fly every plane you learn how to hit every button in every plane in the right way and do all your checklists manually and you're essentially learning how to fly all these different aircraft like I understand how that could be fantastic for the right type of person. It's just not me. And so I'm going to leave it installed on my computer. I'm going to keep like picking away at it a little bit here and there. But I think I did. I did my big like upfront burst where I played like a good eight hours of this game. And now I'm kind of like, okay, I'm going to back off and just kind of come back to it as I feel the urge to. All of that being said, it's on Game Pass. So if you have Game Pass Ultimate, there's no reason not to play this game and give it a shot because for anyone who has it, it costs you no extra money to try this game out. Now I'm assuming that this is PC only game pass uh, where it's not on Xbox one. Is it? It's PC only for right now, but they were strongly hinting that it will eventually come to Xbox. Okay, cool. Because I mean, this game would be beautiful on a giant 4K TV that, yeah. uh, you know, of, you know, even though it is made where a flight simulator or a flight stick and uh, uh, throttle would be great for it, playing it on the giant TV on your Xbox One would pro or, you know, Xbox Series X would be really impressive. Well, and it feels like they could optimize the load times too. Because if right. they know what the actual target hardware is, they can they can develop to that, you know? Exactly. Um, the other thing is they would have to figure out what to do with the buttons because a controller is not enough. You cannot play this game with just a controller. Like, as I'm playing, I need the controller and the keyboard because otherwise oh. I don't have enough buttons to do everything. So I think if you have a, a flight stick with a ton of buttons on it and you have a throttle, you can probably do it without a keyboard. I think you could just get away with those two. But as of right now... I don't see a viable way to play this game with just a controller in your hand. Man, like that's crazy. I just assumed that you could put it on like on medium sim or something and it would let you work with it on just a gamepad. Not quite. It's like it's really close, but it's not quite there. So, ah. yeah, it's something they could work on. Like I, I could definitely see them making a version of this for Xbox. Are there challenges or anything to this? Are there uh, things like I know there aren't going to be quests or anything, but are there in-game milestones to hit or is it just a sandbox? 
Um, there are some, but not nearly enough for people who are gamers the way that like we are, the way that most okay. people who play video games are. You know, it's definitely a make your own fun type of game. They had a bunch of landing challenges, and those were interesting. But I played through literally all of them in one night, and I was like, okay, what's oh. next? And that was it. They had like a weekly event that was like, hey, here's the one event for the week, and then I played that, and that took me like no time. And then I was like, okay, now what? And it's just this like um, video game player mentality of I want to consume the content. Where's the content, right? Right. So the the only real progression they have is flight time, kind of like a pilot would do, right? <laughs> like how yep. much flight time do you have? And just to give you an idea of what they're expecting for the type of player of this game to get to level one which I'm at level zero, right? To get to level one, you need 50 hours of flight time. Like, that's the type of player this game is targeting. My goodness gracious. Right? Yeah. Um, What do levels do then? I have no idea because I'm level zero. (laughs) (laughs) Fair. I don't know. Totally fair. I don't know what it does. Um, Cool. Okay, let's take a quick break to mention the fact that we are part of a network. We have podcasts. We have streamers. We have the Geekery blog. All that and more at geek2geekmedia.com or go to geek2geekmedia.com slash subscribe to get sent right to you. And we also have a digital magazine that just released, right? Yes, last week, as of y'all listening to this, I think, uh, we should have released Press Start, our digital magazine on Patreon. Uh, you can go to geek2geekmedia.com slash Patreon uh, to get there. And what it is is a themed magazine every month. Uh, this one is about remasters and remakes and where we talk about video games and their players. Uh, it was inspired by Boss Fight Books and Like the Wind magazine, where we don't want to do like games journalism about news we want to actually tell the stories about the games and how they matter to us so the first issue should be out as you listen to this and we'll be doing this every month uh so head over to geek2geekmedia.com slash patreon or patreon.com slash geek2geekcast and check it out and subscribe to press start our new actual magazine perfect uh with that we can jump into weekly geekery which is also kind of the second half of the main topic for me so i know normally i have you go first but i'm gonna go first because this is a continuation of the last thought of the fact that like microsoft flight sim came to game pass and i kind of just i hadn't checked recently what was in there so i went and i played like 15 new game pass games that were there since i last checked it out um and i had a couple of them that i wanted to highlight so these will be a lot faster than flight simulator because i have less thoughts about them but they're worth calling out so battletoads just came out and i was excited for this one because i liked battletoads as a kid a lot like it was classic for our age group and anyone who had you know an nes and i i was just so disappointed with what they did with battletoads I did not get far at all. Like I played the first level and even there I was like struggling to get through it because I was just oh. not feeling it at all. And it's disappointing because it's just kind of meh. Like it's not horrible, but it's not good. And it's, I don't know, especially after playing Streets of Rage 4 and finding a surprising amount of good game there. Like I beat that game. I played through that entire game of Streets of Rage 4. This is right. like a brawler from that same era that's being updated to the same year. And I was expecting something of a similar caliber and it's just not there. So that was a disappointment for me. Did with that one, did you play? Uh, well, you said you had a hard time getting through the first level. Was that just a beat em up level? Did you get to any of the bike levels or any other kinds of gameplay that are in the game? No, it was just beat em up, but it just it didn't have any interesting depth, and the depth that was there just felt 
unintuitive and just there to be complicated, but not to add fun. Uh, I understand that. Yeah. I still want to try it, and I've seen a lot of people who do enjoy it. I mean, it's never, it's nobody is saying this is like a uh, 99%, like everybody needs to play this game. But uh, if you've got Game Pass, it's definitely worth a shot. And from what I've seen, it takes about three-ish hours to beat. So if you go all the way through it, so, you know, three to five hours, you know, you go beat some stuff up. You're not in for a huge investment regardless. No, I played probably... 15 or 20 minutes and i was like well that's enough battle totes and i got moved you on. um i also played undermine which i like this game a lot it's another one kind of like forager where i talked about the other week where i wasn't i had like no idea what it was i had no preconceptions i just booted it up because it was on game pass and i hadn't tried it or heard about it and i lost a night to it and so oh. Um, it's a roguelite dungeon crawler, you know, where you kind of make progress every run, but you're also like your character doesn't carry over. Like your character dies and then a new character shows up. But it's like yeah. you make these like incremental progress run to run that carries over. So you're not completely losing everything. Those are the kind of like roguelike and roguelite games that I like where you actually see progress and you're not starting from scratch every time. Um and because it had that, it had this nice little loop that I just kind of, like I said, I kind of lost a night to it in a really good way, right? Like, it's just this little indie game. It is what it is. It's this roguelite dungeon crawler. And I just had a podcast in and I played it for like three or four hours. And that was really fun. And I was like, well, I'll leave it installed on my Xbox and maybe someday I'll come back to it and play it some more. But I <laughs> kind of got my fill in like three or four hours because like I said, the game, it is what it is. And I kind of got my fill, but it was good. It was good for the amount of time I spent with it. It looks pretty. Like I'd seen this one a bunch just around on stuff and it looks really, really pretty, especially in motion with the pixel art and everything. But I'm curious on this one. Like I don't, I don't tend to like roguelike games, but with this one, is there anything like Moonlighter where you're, there is a conceit other than you're just going through dungeons over and over again, where you're like getting, where you're like getting different kinds of, of, of items to sell in your shop or anything like that is there something extra that you play with this one yeah your little like companion character is this little bird and it's persistent hey. so it goes back up to like the top level of the dungeon every time um and it brings back a bunch of like the gold and like the loot that you picked up along the way when your character dies and so you're just like a peasant that comes into the mine and you go down the mine and then you die and then the bird comes back up and it's like oh a new peasant came down the mine um and so there's this wizard that's just trying to like get farther in the dungeon and just keeps sending peasant after peasant. But it's nothing. <laughs> it there's not a lot there, right? It's just enough to hold the whole thing together. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was. I, I, yeah. Yeah. That one is pretty. Like I said, I I don't know if I'll play this one because I don't really like that kind of game. But yeah, it's one that like I'll it. probably install whenever I get Game Pass. I'm like, oh, that one's pretty. I'll play it for a few minutes and do like I tend to do with like you know Bit Dungeon and things like that. Yeah, and for the t right type of person, right? Like, if you are someone who likes Rogue Legacy, or if you're somebody who's liked uh, Binding of Isaac, or if you like games like Spelunky, you would probably love this game. Like, Undermind is a really, really solid, just, like, do run after run and make little progress and have a good time with it. Um, the last one I wanted to highlight was Spiritfarer. So this is one I saw, mm. at, I think, E3 two years ago, and okay. um, I've had my eye on it ever since then. And it was in the Nintendo like indie showcase the other week. 
and it was one of those stealth drop games where it was in the showcase and it said this is out today and um i went and i looked and it was on game pass so i grabbed it on game pass for free and or well i'm already paying for it you know what I right and i like it but i don't know if i love it um i was really expecting to love this game something about it was just resonating with me and there are parts of it i like a lot like the art is really evocative it's not the most beautiful game that i've seen it's not like the best art or the craziest art that i've seen but the art is evocative for the tone of the game that they're going for and in that respect it's really really effective so Hmm. i have to call that out because it works and the premise of the game is that um charon from what is it greek mythology that's like Mm -hmm. the undertaker um that crosses the river Styx, right yeah something is ringing a bell i hope yeah i know i used it in my book Oh, okay. I was just making sure. <laughs> oh no, no. I, I tend to avoid like actually saying stuff like that with uh, with with like Sharon or Charon or Charon, however it's pronounced in the Greek, because I took that word as being like the uh, uh, the the spirit fairer, the one who fairy spirits of the dead, yeah. uh, as the name of the organization that the people in my sci-fi novels were from because of uh, them being formed by some really brutal murderous people and so whenever i hear that i usually actually stay pretty quiet because i'm the kind of person who like and despite me i don't like being like oh hey by the way i did this like i I feel weird about it so when you said that i was like i'm just gonna sit here and be quiet about it oh that's fair um anyway so you but yeah that's cool so um it's basically like the end of sharon's run and you're taking over so like you get basically like a really quick pep talk and then hey now you're the the fairer of the dead or mm-hmm. like the spirit fairer right you have to take um spirits that can't rest and like get them resolution of some kind and then get them beyond like this this stylized bridge basically that you know represents like getting them into the afterlife mm-hmm. and i love that premise and now i'm like 4 or 5 hours into the game and i haven't gotten a single spirit there yet and i i thought it was wow. going to be I don't know what genre this game is because it's like five all at the same time, but also not any of them. It it definitely is that like the indie game feel of it has a story to tell. It wants to like make you have a lot of feels, right? Not in a bad way. It's just it is right. what it is. Um, but at the same time, it's also like a management sim because you have to manage your boat. I mean, your boat almost turns into not quite Noah's Ark, but it's like an ark of some kind where you have to build buildings on it and then you have to go get resources to build more buildings and you have to like plant seeds in the garden and plant seeds Mm -hmm. in the field and also make homes for the spirits that are with you at the time. And then you have to go and like do quests that the spirits give you. But also it's kind of hinting that like if you can get a spirit to the point where like you give them resolution, then you can help them move on. But I even though I've played for like four hours, I haven't gotten to that part yet. I feel like I'm still in the intro and it keeps adding more systems on. And so it's like a management sim and it's also a platformer, but it's also a resource gathering game. And it's also a like indie really wants you to spend time getting to know characters and having feelings about them game. Mm -hmm. It's also a boat travel game, but it's also a farming (laughs) game. All of these things are true about it. And so I... I don't know. Like, I I like it, but I also, if it doesn't come together soon, like, I'm going to give it one more play session, right? I'm going to give this game one more play session of my time. If it doesn't gel by the end of that, I think I'm done with it because it's just all over the place. 
But if it gels correctly, I could see myself like sitting down and finishing the game and like really getting into it. It just it needs to come together soon or I'm done. Does that I'm make a, sense in some way? It does. Because the game looks very uh, disparate, the very very disconnected with disparate parts. And I know that I will never play this game. It is beautiful, and I think I would enjoy this game. But because of the way that it is, I would get attached to these characters, and I know that they would make me cry. That the idea of ferrying someone to the afterlife and getting to know them and care about them and then having to send them on their way just hits way too close to home for me and for so many different reasons and i'm just like nope cannot do this but i'm interested in this and i wonder if it's going to gel once you complete that first loop that once you get somebody to the afterlife you're gonna see where that really ties in about going back and forth and all of that yeah i hope so like I said, I'm going to give it one more play session, like a, a one more good play session, right? Like another couple hours and then I'll I'll see, I'll make a decision. Um, but yeah, that's kind of been my geekery is just, you know, all of that, like all of those Game Pass games. That's what I've been doing for the last well, little bit. Well, I've got to ask, I don't think you mentioned this. And if you did, I completely did not hear you. One of your notes on Spirit Fair is just hugs. Oh, yeah. And I have to know about hugs. So... The game definitely wants you to feel a bond with these characters and it wants you to get to know them because I'm pretty sure it's trying to make you cry in the end when you have to say goodbye <laughs> to them, right? Yes. Just It's exactly what you said. It's exactly what you would expect it to be. And they have a dedicated menu command for hugging them. So it's like, <laughs> oh my God. When you go and you talk to them, you have to, they have meters to manage, right? So it's a meter management game too. I forgot to put that in there. Um, each of these characters has like, oh, they have hunger and they have like a sense of, I don't even know what it is, like sense of belonging or something. But one of the meters is basically like, make sure you hug them every once in a while. Like that's what you have to do to keep it up. So oh my goodness. When you're in like the interaction menu with the characters, the commands are like talk, feed them something, um, something else that's generic and then like hug, right? And that's what you can do. <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot of hugging in the game. Can you hug them too much? Um, yes. So you can go to hug them and they can just say, no, not right now. Like, you know, it's it's consent. Like they can say, no, you hugged yeah. me recently. Or like, no, we've done that recently. Like we don't need to. I'm, I'm okay for right now. Um, yeah, I was curious. I was actually wondering if like you could force yourself on them and do these like attack hugs where at that point you're just lowering everything. And no. you, these people you're trying who are already dead, like have to like try to jump off of your boat to get away from you and don't make it to the afterlife. Like can they leave? Yeah, it's I was I'm I'm going in dark places tonight. Yeah. So what have you been doing recently? <laughs> oh, that was just a strange segue to me. I love it. <laughs> um, reading a lot of comics more than anything else. I know last week we talked about uh, the DC fandom stuff. And uh, most of what I've been doing is like catching up on the Batman trades that I've missed. Um, I read three trades of a, of a book called Birthright on Comixology Unlimited. Um, it, uh, I, I, Man, I that'd started be a good name for a book. It would be. A, a <laughs> fantasy book sounds great. Uh, it would be yeah. named Birthright. Um, 
It would be interesting to um, if uh, I hadn't done this three years before the comic did. Um, so I started raging. Like I saw this and like I actually my heart rate went up. And I knew my blood pressure spiked. And like because I'm seeing the pictures on the covers of these and they are very high fantasy comic covers with flaming swords, characters with uh, with wings and what looks like uh energy coming in for out from under their skin to give them magic and uh like armies of gargoyles like twisted like grayish purple uh monsters with wings and i'm just like they stole my book these people three years after i wrote my and published my books this stole my book. It's named Birthright. It's got the same title as my book. And like, I was raging. Like I was seriously going through and taking screenshots of part of this being like, this is just like what I wrote. Like, this is like, I'm not that kind of guy who's like, oh, you ripped me off. But I look at this and I'm just like, holy cow. And Austin calmed me down. He said he's read more of it and that it's nothing like mine. It's just got those uh, kind of surface level similarities, which I'm still mad about. I'm like, seriously. But I mean, the guy even has two different, like all of the knives have different colored auras on them. And it's just like, based on like the the magic and where he got them and it's just it's a whole thing and austin calmed me down i'm i'm not raging on it anymore it's just like one of those things where i read it i was like man that is so close to the books i got that i wrote um but yeah like they're they're okay like it's it's about somebody (laughs) move oh and it's about somebody moving between between worlds too and mine is about moving between different uh dimensions and pocket universes in the end you're like yeah it's okay that's okay. Like, it's not something that I, w- even if I hadn't been super angry about it, the writing is not something that I would have fallen in love with. Uh, but because I was reading it while I was seeing Red, I'm probably being even harder on it. But it was okay. Like, I'm not saying it's bad by any means. Yeah. But uh, but it, it, it was fine. It may be worth even picking up for some of y'all. So go go do that and then go buy my book because I told you about it because it's like my book. Um, but, but it's okay. I've been reading stuff like that. I decided uh to read comics get comicsology unlimited i may have mentioned that a couple of weeks ago to read the uh umbrella academy comics yeah um i got through the first one of those not a huge fan of the comic it's tone just everything is weird but fandom did make me go through my comic books like go into the back and uh like go through some of my comic boxes and as i was going through some of my comics looking for particular issues and uh, storylines i realized that i had the rare uh, umbrella academy free comic book day issue in really good condition and it is like hard to get now it's like 50 to 100 dollars depending on uh on where like what kind of condition it is and who what at what time somebody sells it or whatever but it's like i've never had one of those like you have to be in this one certain spot at this one certain time to get this one random thing that might turn into something later um I just rarely ever have one of those, so it made me happy to be like, oh, hey, that's the one that the that they were talking about being super rare uh, when I was reading about that the other day. So I have that one. I read it. It's neat. And uh, But yeah, I've read a lot of comics these last couple of uh, weeks. So you're right about Comicsology Unlimited. You are right. It does. It has just enough to get you uh, to get you really hooked on something, and then it doesn't have any more of that run on the uh, on the app. Like yeah. it is, it's good and frustrating because it's cheap 
cheaper than the others, but at the same time, it's not quite there yet. That's probably it for this week. Uh, you guys can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have some great discussions on Slack and Discord. You can go to geek2geekmedia.com for invite links. And while you're there, make sure to check out all of the other content on the network like blogs, video game reviews, and our digital magazine, Press Start. I blog at agreenmushroom.com and you can find me at grnmushroom. That's green mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I'm also on the Disney Forever podcast where we watch and react to a different Disney movie every week. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beach. That's Beach with two E's. And I also co-host the Dragon Quest FM podcast, a show about the Square Enix RPG series. We've been Void Beach with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye! When toxic culture has you down. When you're just looking to laugh and have fun. Kick back and enjoy watching a video game. Or just make some new friends. It's time to visit the geek to geek Media Network. A community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community. All dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. Things like... Video games. Star Wars. Beep, 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 beep. Comics. Movies, K-pop, Disney Plus, Keanu. Keanu Reeves, new, or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. Yep. And each other in real time. And we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes. Keanu.